We're back on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder for the second quarter. I am Ryan, I am Ryan Koningsberg. He is Jake Shapiro. <laughs> and you wish, Bob. You wish. Sneeznik carries up the ball for the Stanford women. Stolen by Jamie Swan on a bounce pass. She's leading a break for Colorado. Goes inside, hop step, goes up for a shot and hits and one. Great wow. play from Jamie Swan on the Euro step and the finish with a scoop shot. She did it all there. Uh, unbelievable deny to get that steal, and then she takes it all the way and one. Forces a pass, stolen by Swan. Jamie's third steal tonight. Right-handed layup off the glass and good. Jamie Swan, three steals and 16 points in her second to last game at the Coors Event Center. Live. From the Blake Street Tavern in Lower Downtown Denver, it's the BSN Buffs Podcast. I am your host, Jake Shapiro, with the second most Buffs knowledge on the planet, the first most Buffs knowledge on the planet, sitting right across from me, Ryan Koningsberg, the editor of BSN Buffs, uh, the BSN Buffs, BSNBuffs.com, he's also the editor of this podcast. But Ryan, you have the most knowledge on CU, tell us something knowledgeable about the CU Buffalo, Colorado Buffaloes. Um, something knowledgeable, well... We told everyone they were going to lose two games, and they lost two games. That's what happened. That was knowledgeable. And that's it for the BSN Buffs <laughs> podcast. Thanks. For, no. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're really happy to have you. We think this next week's going to be probably a little bit better than the last weekend. But before we talk about this next week, we got to recap the weekend. Uh, two tough losses. One, a really tough loss to USC, a game that Colorado led in for 32 minutes and then didn't make a shot the final nine minutes of the game, and then a blowout loss to the UCLA Bruins, the second blowout loss, I would say, of the season, the other coming at Washington. And, you know, one of the people at Buffs practice said it to us best today. It wasn't that it was so disappointing because of where CU is now, but it's disappointing because where CU would have been had they won one of these two games. Yeah, obviously... Um it would have been huge to go ahead and get that USC game. Uh, they had a great chance to win it. They played well enough to win it. Um, but, you know, I look at it from the perspective of the way we felt going into the weekend. And I know it's hard for people to kind of have that perspective. But we went into this weekend knowing that they were going to lose two games. And uh, it, just, it didn't happen the way we thought they were going to happen. I thought it would have been the other way around with them getting blown out by USC uh, and then giving UCLA a game. But after that lost to USC, you kind of knew that they were going to be a little flat against UCLA. It was just such a tough loss, and things like that happen on the road. You get kind of down on yourself, and all of a sudden, you know, everything gets magnified. Someone put it really well on Twitter. You expect a group of 20-year-olds to go out after getting their heart broke like that two nights before, three nights before, and go and battle one of the most elite, talented teams in the country and win. That's just not going to happen and you know you could see the writing on the wall for the blowout in the UCLA game before it even started as for the USC game we tried to spin it in a positive way almost that Colorado went in on the road and for 32 minutes they were far superior to USC yeah I think I think that's a great way to look at it I mean they played such a great 32 minutes. Everything was falling for them. They played great defense. They actually stopped uh, good guards on the perimeter from scoring. It was um, it was almost you know what we've been talking about all season, where we say you know if they do this this and they can put this together, um, then all of a sudden you're talking about a team who can beat anyone. Well, they put all, they put it all together for 32 minutes and then they completely collapsed um, and just 
the, the amount of turnovers. I think they had seven turnovers in that last eight minutes. And then on, um, on USC had 17 possessions during that, and the Buffs only got two stops. Wow. So they really, utterly, and completely um, melted down. And <clears throat> it was one of those things where I had kind of been joking throughout the game, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up. Uh, and right before that, I, was, I, I had almost tweeted, you can almost get your hopes up, but still not yet, right when they got the 15-point lead. Uh, I and mean, I had even texted you, I'm like, all right, well, this might happen, so I'm going to start focusing on something else. Because, you know, we're trying to prepare our content for the night. So I texted Ryan, I'm like, hey, you know, I got to switch over because I was doing vines that night. I got to switch over, start writing, because if they blow it out, you know, if they actually win this game, I got to get something up. And yeah. as soon as I sent that text. And, uh, it wasn't as bad as another jinx. That happened on the night. <laughs> I won't throw anyone under the bus, but there was another text in my inbox that was the true jinx. Um, but you know, that don't. I even when they were up 15, I still knew. I, I kept saying to the people I was watching the game with, they, that US, USC has one more run. They have one more run. The Buffs are going to have to sustain it, uh, and it happened almost instantly. I mean, it was literally they got up 15, and then USC got a bucket and a stop and a bucket, and it was like, here goes. And I, 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 that's when I tweeted, I was like, buckle up, folks. It's not over yet. Right. 34 to 10 run later. And, you know, before that run had even started, about two minutes into it, Will Whalen tweets, you know, I'm logging off for the night. I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> and, like, as soon as I read that, I'm like, Will knows this. You know, Will knows basketball as well as anyone. He sees this coming. Might want to stay out of Twitter for a little while. Yeah. And Twitter, I mean, that meltdown, that one, that one really got under my skin, I have to admit. I mean, my mentions were filled. I was driving home from where I watched the game to go home and finish my story, and I, my phone was going off constantly, and every single one was, boil this, boil that, just blame game. And it, I don't know. I, was, I got really frustrated by it because it's just like, you know how he coaches. Like, you know, you've watched it so many times. And it, the, the point of it is, is he trusts his players, right. and he, keeps, he always thinks, okay, we're going to go down, we're going to run a good offensive set, Josh is going to get a touch, uh, they know what to do, they're going to get a bucket, and everything's going to calm down. And then it doesn't happen. And then he thinks, maybe I should call a turnover. Or maybe I should call a timeout. And then they turn it over. And it's just like, he definitely let that one go a little too long, I think it's fair to say. But to, to expect him to call a timeout is just kind of crazy. And then to get so mad about it afterwards, it's just like, to me, I, I was just shocked because it's like I expect that's what I expected and you put it really well when you said this is your coach you've known him for a couple of years now you guys love your coach this is the one thing you have a problem with and you know he's going to do it this way so stop complaining about it and you know what the funniest thing was the next day he gets a contract extension <laughs> that was my favorite part it was almost like they were waiting for something like that to happen they're like oh let's wait until Tad Boyle hot seat twitter gets going again then we'll give him an extension the next day that was hilarious but yeah, I was definitely uh, a little perturbed by that. So I was a little salty the rest of the weekend. My apologies. Yeah, and you know, you were a little bit salty carried over to the next game. Uh, you, a specific tweet you had uh, where you said, hey, Buffs fans, stay out of my mentions. No, 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 no. I said, be sure to miss my mentions with your hot takes. And everyone did. It was great. So thank you all for... Maybe everyone was just so just like beaten by that loss that no one had any hot takes, but... I mean, I w my mentions were 100% hot take free after that game. I mean, in the middle of the second half, I just tweeted, you know, you guys can log off now. This <laughs> one's over. Uh, be sure to check BSN Buffs for the score after the game. 
Yeah, I, I uh, overheard a very interesting stat from that game today, which um, kind of blew my mind. Uh, in the first half, the Buffs had 11 post touches, and they scored on 10 of those uh, possessions. In the entire game, they had somewhere between 30 and 40 possessions where they didn't get a post touch, and they scored on two of those possessions. It's that simple. It really is that simple. You don't put the ball in the paint, this team doesn't succeed. And, it, and it's, it's so obvious. Like you, for Even the most casual basketball fan can see, okay, Josh Scott gets a touch. Well, he doesn't have to score it. All of a sudden, the entire defense has shifted. Um, and then it's, whether it's that the pass out of it or the pass after the pass out of it, it's going to be open. And so to watch the – I mean, they didn't really ever stand a chance in that game, so that one might not be the best – um, example, but to look at that, I mean, 10 of 11 in the first half they scored on, and in the whole game, 30, between 30 and 40, they scored on two. Like, it's, I mean, in that game was probably magnified, but that's, it's really that simple. They have to get the ball down low, and I just don't, it blows my mind when they don't. And this is something people aren't really talking about right now, but Josh was not healthy coming into this weekend. Josh didn't even start at the USC game. Has a real good game against USC. Uh, I believe he had uh, 17 points, and uh, he didn't have a rebound, but he did have 17 points. George King's been he had really a couple hitting, rebounds, but yeah. George King's really been hitting the rebounds uh, hard in his absence uh, of hitting the rebounds hard. Anyways, the point is, Scott in that second game of the weekend, you know, has a bad game, and that's going to happen to people, and you know, maybe it's been overlooked a little bit, but Josh had just been coming off of an injury and, you know, first time back in the starting lineup, and maybe there, there's an excuse there, I don't know. But, you know, people have bad games, and I think it's okay to say, hey, Josh, you know, you're a fantastic player. You had a bad game. Yeah, I finally did get a hot take in my mentions today when I tweeted that picture of, of Josh, uh, and I said, you know, he's look at he's giving you this look because the, the game isn't sold out. Someone tweeted at me, like, maybe he should be looking at the rim. Four for 14 is unacceptable, even though he was four for 12. But <laughs> I was just, like, shaking my head, like, this has to be, like, only one person is still mad at Josh Scott, right? Like, the best player on your team, one of the best players, one of the best big men of all time at CU, and you're angry three days later about a, a couple of missed shots. Like, everyone has a bad game. And, I, and he was just due for one. Like, he can't be perfect all the time. He was due for one. Like, like I said, I, I told Tyler before the game, I was like, it just feels like a Josh Scott 3-for-13 game to me, uh, and it was 4-for-12. So, you know, he, he's, he's going to have a bad game. Um, I expect him to bring his A game on Wednesday. I, won't, I wouldn't expect him to have, you know, a crazy amount of points. He's going to go up, be going up against a pretty solid front line at, at Arizona, especially with Caleb Tarzuski, who's um, big enough and athletic enough to give Josh problems down there. But I think you're going to see a spirited game from him on the boards. You'll see, you know, a really focused game from Josh Scott on Wednesday. And um, it just blows my mind that people, <laughs> like, can get that, that mad at him for having one bad game. And we'll talk a lot more about Josh later in the show because it is his last home stand. And uh, really, going back to this weekend for one second, Josh had nine points in that game. The only time Josh had not scored 10 points in any other game this season was at Oregon State in the game he got hurt in. Every right. other game he's had double-digit points. So <clears throat> I think that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, it's an anomaly. It's not something that you're going to see consistently from Josh. I mean, you all know that that listen to this podcast, that Josh Scott's fantastic. So, uh, But we are going to take a quick break because, frankly, we shouldn't talk about this weekend anymore <laughs> than we need to because I don't think anyone wants to hear about it. 
On the other side, we're going to have Tyler Ziskin talk about uh, where CU is in terms of March Madness, uh, how this past weekend affected where they are, how next weekend can maybe affect where they are. And uh, he knows it better than anyone, so stick around and we'll be right back for that. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Ezzo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chips Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern, uh, which is the single best bar in downtown. But if you're not downtown, you're a little further south, maybe you're traveling downtown, uh, stop at the Lincoln Light Rail Station, get off there, and head over to the Clock Tower Grill. Uh, you know, you can get a little pregame. Maybe you're coming down to a Nuggets game. You want to get a drink before you come down and come to the Blake Street Tavern. Clock Tower Grill is your place. Uh, they got $3 Long Island iced teas on Mondays, 75-cent wings on Wednesdays, $3 shots on Fridays. There really isn't a better place in the south side of town to get your event started than at the Clock Tower Grill. But, as always, we are at the Blake Street Tavern because we're downtown and it's the best one you got down here. And we have the Blake Street Tavern's best person all around. He's not just a drink pourer. He's, the, he's a, a manager. He's a money counter. He pours drinks. Uh, he has a nice girlfriend who happens to be sitting by us, too. He brings her around sometimes. He's really an all-encompassing, all-purpose 
all-around great guy. Tyler Ziskin, how you doing? What's going on? She actually referred to herself as a groupie earlier. So she's the first uh, she's DSN the Denver podcast groupie. We've actually had, yeah, no, yeah, she's the first. Yeah, sorry if there was another <laughs> one I forgot about you. But. Nope, we've only had one. It's Amy. <laughs> we appreciate her very much. Tyler, you were one of the people who I was talking about spewing hot takes after the game, but it's okay. It's unusual, I know. <laughs> it's okay, we still love you. Uh, now that you've had some time to get over the loss and get over the heartbreak, can you tell us a little bit about how much this weekend hurt the Buffs and, and kind of what it did to their positioning? Well, I mean, from an actual resume perspective, it's not all that damaging outside of the fact that it hurts your win percentage and all the key metrics, right, because you lost two games. Um, but <laughs> losing two road games is not that big of a deal. Um, but to me, you know, it's – because of how we lost the USC game, that one just seems so damaging because it would have been so – I mean, honestly, we would have been in the tournament if you win that game. Pretty much a lock at that point. Um, I was starting to look at other – so last year we lost back-to-back -back home games to Cal and Utah, but they were in different weeks. But that was the first time we lost back-to-back -back home games since 2010. So, you know, if you win USC, you feel pretty good about getting one of the Arizona games, and that's pretty much it from that perspective. I mean, now – Honestly, we still feel pretty good about the fact that you're going to get one, and I've said all along, getting one before the tournament, it, you'll still have a chance. So from that perspective, we're okay, but you're falling down the seed lines, obviously, a little bit because, you know, losing two games, half the teams on the bubble are going to win. So they move up a little bit. Um, I saw Lenardi moved us all the way up into the last four buys. These were the last team, so we're almost into the last four in category. That's a little aggressive for me based on what I've seen in the numbers. Um, a couple other... Smaller time uh, bracket guys have us in that last four buys as well, but a, a few of them have us as an eight seed as well. So it, it kind of, you know, back and forth, the whole bubble is just depends on what you like, I guess, what metric you're going to look at to how you rank these teams. But for now, I, I still feel like we're in a pretty good position overall. So it didn't, in your, in your estimation, it didn't quite put them back on the bubble? I guess it just depends on what your definition of being on the bubble is. Um, based on what I see in my numbers, they, they would probably be a high 9 or a low 10 seed. So for most people, any double-digit seed is on the bubble. Um, so I guess technically you could say, yeah, we are in the bubble. But to be honest, I don't care about that. I mean, the, the goal is to make the tournament. I don't care what seed we are, um, to be blatantly honest with you. And honestly, I'd rather be a 10 seed than an 8 or a 9. Or even an 11. Yeah, so that doesn't really bother me all that much. I'm fine with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how kind of it plays out. As the week went on, I mean, so before last week, winning just one game, RPI projections showed us that we'd be roughly a 50 in the RPI if we just won one more game. That number's improved to 48 in the last week or so. So it actually and got better. Yeah, if we win just one game. And the reason for that is, a lot of teams in the smaller school divisions that um, are in the 30s and 40s in the RPI lost this weekend. So you obviously start to move up compared to those teams because all those guys that play in the smaller divisions, any loss affects them so much more dramatically because they're playing much weaker competition. Um, so you look at Monmouth who lost at home to um, Iona this week and almost lost again to St. Peter's the game after that. Um, dropped pretty heavily into the high 40s and there's quite a few other teams that did as well. So you move up ahead of those teams. And also you have to keep in mind um, that SMU and Louisville are ahead of us in the RPI too, and obviously neither of them are going to be dancing this year. So you have to keep that in mind when you start looking at those numbers too. 
but you know, if you end up in the high 40s, you're probably going to want to win a Pac-12 conference game um, to be safe. But if you're the, if you're in the high 40s when the comes around for Selection Sunday, you got to feel pretty good about us getting in. So, in that line of thinking that you could possibly need a win in the Pac-12 tournament, then it's almost better to get the five seed because then you're getting a pretty easy win on that first day. No, because we're not getting the four seed without winning more than one game anyway. Well, I'm saying get the oh, you're get the five seed. You mean? Yeah. So I mean, in or, if we're a four or a five seed, we won enough games. Right. That it's not going to matter. So, okay. So you know what I mean? So that's not going to matter. But if we do win only one, you're looking at probably be. be the t I was looking at it earlier today. The teams that still have a decent chance to be nine and nine are us, Washington, and USC. Those are the ones that I would say USC is more likely to finish above that than not. But um, so we'll be going back and forth between those two. Right now, we have the tiebreaker over Washington, um, so we most likely be the six seed, and then obviously most likely be playing Arizona State. So that's kind of where, where it's shaking out at the moment. Um, you have to, you don't want to lose that game for sure, um, but you have to like that matchup. I think for us, right? Going into this week a little more, uh, we talked about this last week, and I just want to reiterate it. Uh, a win over Arizona pretty much locks you in. Yeah, I mean, now it's a little less so because you turn right back around and lose to Arizona State and you kind of undid all the work. Um, I, I still feel like you'll be above 50% chance of getting in for sure, but you really don't want to beat Arizona and then turn right back around and lose to Arizona State at home. I mean, we did that a couple years ago, I think, where we beat Oregon in the very end of the season and, and then, then lost, lost to Oregon, Oregon State yeah. after that. I'd like to avoid doing that again. Um if possible, but yeah, I mean, beating Arizona is obviously good. I think I think from the standpoint of it being a marquee win for the for the resume, that's important for sure. I mean, because still, if you lose to Arizona State at home, we're not going to have any hundred RPI losses because they're going to move up quite a bit. <laughs> they might even move ahead of um, Washington and UCLA in that scenario. So it's not really a bad loss per se, but it would be the worst loss of the season. I mean, let's be honest, it would be. Um, so from a, from a top half of the perspective, you're gaining a top 25 RPI win. You're gaining a top 50 RPI win. Those are both very important, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know which one I guess would be better for us. Like if you were to win one game and you were to ask me which one I wanted to win, I guess the answer is probably Arizona, I guess. But if you beat Arizona, you want to beat Arizona State. Too. That's, a, that's an interesting way of uh, thinking, though, to think that losing to Arizona State at home is almost uh, – is like if you had to choose, if you had to choose, you almost rather not lose to Arizona State at home. It's close, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, just a, because but of you how damaging that loss is at right. home compared in in the RPI. I mean, even though Arizona is very good, losing to them hurts your RPI because losing home games in general just really hurts your overall metric. Um, and winning a, winning that game according to the RPI is not as vital as losing to Arizona State would be. So it just depends on what I guess your preference is. But if you ask me, I think the Arizona win would be bigger for us. Looking uh, at the conference as a whole, I know you had tweeted something uh, after one of the games. I can't remember what it was, but um, saying that, you know, a couple, uh, a couple teams have knocked themselves out. Mm -hmm. um, how many teams are you looking at getting in from the Pac-12 at this point? Yeah, I mean, Washington and UCLA are definitely on the outside looking in at this point. Um, UCLA is probably going to have to win the rest of their games. That's unlikely to happen. Um, Washington is in a little bit of trouble, too, because 
they had such a rough non-conference portion of the schedule, they have a lot worse losses than we do. They only have 16 wins as well, and we have 19. So um, from that perspective, they have some work to do there as well. Um, and they're, they, have a, they both have tough slates. It would be surprising for either of them to fin finish above 500 in league. So um, that leaves seven. Uh, a lot of people are less high in Oregon State than me. I get that. For some reason, they play two less games than everybody else, which makes absolutely no sense. Right? I don't know why you would do that. I understand one. Um, yeah, a lot of people play 30 or 31, yeah. but I think they're slated to play 29, which is so strange to me. That is and, really strange. And they have Did a they bunch have of losses. they have canceled or something? I'm not, I'd have to look farther into it, but they just have so few games. It's pretty weird. Um <laughs> I'm not, yeah, it would suck for them if that hurt you, you know, yeah. just to have less wins overall because you didn't just didn't play games. That would be frustrating for me if I was an Oregon State fan. But they have a they the top half of their resume is really impressive, but they don't have any meat in the middle, which I think is what's going to hurt them right now, just in terms of total wins. Um, and they're six and eight in conference, so they got to finish strong too. They have some opportunities to do that, but I mean, you know, they have to. They probably have to be at least 500 in league to get that benefit of doubt, having so many fewer wins than everybody else. So you think se still though seven seven teams? You think you think seven that's the is, ceiling? Or? Seven is the max. Okay, what in, do you think? In my opinion, in the sure. end, we'll actually get in. Uh, well, for for us, you would like to hope that it's at least six, right? Um, and depending on how Oregon State finishes, we might need seventh too. It it really just does. There's so much time left. It's hard to really say. I, I would think that. Right now, Oregon State is going to be the, the make or break for us um, in terms of which ones get in and which ones don't. So six or seven is both probably a 50-50 proposition right now. They're definitely, you would think they have to get at least six in unless, unless Colorado and Oregon State both collapsed on the stretch, which I guess is a possibility, but for now, six or seven. Finally, how are you feeling about this Arizona, Arizona game going into it? I mean, I think I feel a lot better about it than most other people do. seems like a lot of people have just given up on the year completely. It's just so ridiculous to me. It just, it just blows my mind how many people you just see running around like, oh, they're just not any good, man. Like, I mean, I we talked about this before the podcast. Uh, after I left here the other night, I went to meet up with some friends who are all Buffs fans, and they were just like, yeah, man, like, there's just no getting around it. The Buffs just suck this year. And I, and I was just – I was like – I didn't even know how to respond because I'm like, no – Everyone looks like that when they go on the road, so like, aside for maybe a couple teams like Utah who puts together a ridiculous road stretch. Or, you know, but, but the thing is, like, every, every, they, the entire field is going to be weak this year, and that's what I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding yeah, is that I mean, they, top to bottom in college basketball is just kind of an ugly year. Yeah, Utah literally had less road wins than we did until this weekend. So people like, I saw, I saw someone on the uh, bus and board was talking about, uh, oh, my gosh, like, they win all the big road games, and it's like they literally had three road wins <laughs> until this weekend. Obviously, they had a huge weekend. Sweeping the LA schools is a huge weekend for them, and that, but that's why they're a five seed for most people now. I mean, and have a chance to win the conference championship because it is so rare for teams to sweep road games like that, especially for them. I mean, they got swept on the Oregon road trip too, and mm -hmm. they were all they got swept in NorCal. They got swept by Stanford and Cal earlier in the season too. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Four, Obviously, we've lost quite a few road games in a row, so it feels feels worse. But overall, on a on a total resume perspective, four and six on the road is not that bad on the bubble. There are plenty of teams that have worse road records than that. So finally, uh, let's get a prediction for this Wednesday's game. Oh boy, um, I don't think I'm ready to 
say a win, sadly. So I, I guess I'm going to be a masochist and just say that <laughs> this really is going to get down to the wire and that Arizona State game is going to be really important for us. Arizona's playing pretty well right now, which I, I must admit is they're, they're better than I thought they were going to be this year. Um, you, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, Utah is as well. I have been really surprised by how much they've turned it on in the past couple weeks. Um, I mean, Trier is a big piece for them. I still don't like their guard play, man. And Arizona hasn't been exceptional on the road either. So I'd like to think we could get the win. But I wish there was more buzz, I guess, going into the game because not sold out. Don't feel like that many people are excited to go to the game right now, which is pretty sad in my opinion. I mean, it's one of the last two opportunities to go see Josh Scott. You'd think you'd want to be there and help him get the W, but it doesn't really seem like that's what the vibe around the program is right now. I think you're going to get a good a good showing from the students, and I think it'll be an over, overall it'll be the best atmosphere they've had at a game this year. But I agree. Uh, you're not seeing, you know, people on Twitter this morning, like, freaking, like, being like, Arizona week, like, let's go. Like, uh, you're used to seeing stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I threw up those blind resume um, things up on Twitter earlier to see what people had to say, and everyone seemed to be pretty happy with CU's resume look, in yeah. comparison to um, a few of the other teams that are by most people, eight or nine seeds right now. So, uh, you know, it's all perspective. People, I can't tell you how many people have been like, Colorado's so awful on the road. Like, they could never win anything. There's no way that resume would get you into the tournament. It's just like, okay, well, who is going to get into the tournament? They're like, Florida. It's like, all right, well. <laughs> I got LSU. Yeah. Yeah, LSU. It's like, okay, man, they've lost like five teams that are absolutely <laughs> terrible. But continue to just tell me that because, I mean, the rest of if you if you watch LSU play, they're awful. Oh, yeah. Like, Ben Simmons is awesome, and the rest of that team is a joke. Like, yeah. it's, it, they're so frustrating to watch. It's almost like he took the challenge upon himself. Like, I'm going to just make <laughs> yeah. this team good, and obviously it didn't work. No, it didn't. Um, all right, well, thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us. Guys, you guys got to get down here uh, and hang out with him. The weekend specials they have here on Saturday and Sunday. So I guess, yeah, you can come here before the game on Saturday. or they play su before. So you have all Saturday to come will, down here. I will say that the – Winter Classic is on Saturday here, so it's going to be a zoo. So, yeah, Stadium Series, the Avalanche Red Wings game. So, that'll be a zoo if you like hockey, come down and party with us before Yeah, the and if you do, you can get $5 Cuervo shots, $5 Three Olive Vodka shots, and $5 Jack Daniels Fire or Jack Daniels Honey or regular Jack Daniels. Um, you'll get that a nice warm blanket on before you go over to the Stadium Series. Get out to Blake Street Tavern, um, and thank you, Tyler. We'll see you soon, guys. We'll be back on the other side. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. 
When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. I don't feel good. I, I'm like dizzy. I've got vertigo. I just, ah. Dude, I, do you think you might have a vitamin D deficiency? I've heard about this. Uh, maybe. Well, if you do, the place you need to get over to is Fruit Mechanics. They've got every fruit in the world, um, full of vitamins, totally enriched, and they will get you feeling good uh, and maybe even get you uh, back on the slopes. Bro, I think you're thinking about boot mechanics. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Dang, I thought it was a fruit place, but it's definitely boot mechanics with professional skier Jeremy Johnson, who is going to get you right because he's going to get a foot mold for your feet and take that mold and make it into new insoles for your boots so you can get on the slopes and shred it up. But I don't know what you're going to do about that vitamin deficiency. Well, you can visit Jeremy Johnson in Golden, and maybe you can find a fruit stand on your way down there. Or you can visit him on bootmechanics.com, and I'm sure you can buy fruit on the Internet. But, <laughs> uh, I, maybe that's where my problem is right now. I'm counting on the Internet for my fruit <laughs> supply. Yeah, you probably just need to go to the local produce section. <laughs> you're ridiculous. Hey, <laughs> 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 Once again, it is Boot Mechanics, bootmechanics.com. All right, so... The Buffs this weekend, after losing twice, now have a very tough homestand. They face the Arizona State Sun Devils, who are 14 and 13, on Saturday, or Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Sun- Sunday? You said Sunday last segment. All right, so it's Sunday. Better be. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that game, the Arizona State Sun Devils are 14 and 13, and uh, 11th in the back 12, while Arizona on Wednesday is by far the marquee matchup. And they're 22-5, first in the Pac-12. Bill Walton's coming in to announce the game. Thought I'd say that, too. And, uh, okay, a little sarcasm over there. <laughs> You're so salty this week, dude. No, dude, I just, whatever, go ahead. And, uh... You're just salty that Bill Walton emails Matt an inspirational <laughs> quote every morning and you're not on that email list. I, I get my inspiration from, uh, from elsewhere. 
Like DJ Khaled. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't watched a DJ Khaled snap in probably three weeks. Get him from the Kanye West record. Yes, that is actually where I do get my inspiration. That thing is packed full of inspiration. Anyways, Arizona comes into Boulder. CU has not beat Arizona in quite some time. In fact, most of this team has not beaten Arizona. I talked to Treshawn Fletcher today about it. That will be up on the site sometime in the upcoming days. But, man, you got Orion Anderson, Alonzo Trier, Gabe York, Caleb Tarzuski, some big names here coming into Boulder on Wednesday night. And you have the Buffs who are coming in on a two-game losing streak. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, man, it's a big game. Um, we talked about it last segment with Tyler, and, and I think a win for them is so huge because, you know, Tyler and I talked about it from the perspective of if they can only win one this week. Well, I think if they beat Arizona, and I know they've had a letdown after doing that before, but I think if they beat Arizona, they're going to get uh, Arizona State. Arizona State isn't the team um, that has come into the Quarters Event Center and beat them twice before. This is a, a completely different squad, um, and I think, you know, if the Buffs are able to win, on Wednesday, they're definitely going to beat Arizona State. Probably beat Arizona State either way. But this Arizona game is so huge because it's going to be a big crowd in there. It's going to be uh, a big atmosphere. And these fans have almost kind of... The, the, the once th- building rivalry that was this CU-Arizona game has kind of dissipated a little bit. And the Buffs, if the Buffs were able to win this game... That's bragging rights. Unless they meet up again in the tournament, that's saying we beat you the only time this year. And Arizona fans hate when you ha- when you can hang something over them. You know, uh, when CU won the Pac-12 tournament and uh, Arizona didn't even make the NCAA tournament, it's like CU fans were just hanging that over their head, and it drove Arizona fans crazy. So if CU fans were able to say we beat you in the in your in our only chance this year, um, that could be something that you know kind of perturbs them and gives the bu- and gives this rivalry another spark. Um, but really, I think it's just from the perspective of showing that you can beat a team like this. Um, this is probably going to be arguably the best team they've played all year. Uh, and if you can win this game, it says a lot about your yourself as a team and your potential in the tournament. And I'll go back to something Coach McIntyre said when I asked him about Colorado-Utah being a perhaps rivalry in football. And he said, you know, Colorado needs to have a big win that, like, knocks Utah out of first place at the end of the season or really hurts them in terms of bowl eligibility. Well, if Colorado can beat Arizona here, I know Arizona's still got four games left or in three after the Buffs game, but if Colorado beats Arizona, there's potential they knock them out of first place and Oregon wins first place in the Pac-12 because of it. And I bet you Arizona fans will be salty about that, and that's how you build a rivalry. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's equivalent to beating them in the Pac-12 championship and knocking them out of the tournament. Uh, it's another thing like that. It's probably not quite as big, but uh, there's a chance that you could sweep this game out from under Arizona's feet. And Tad said it today to us and to the team. They're coming in here with conference title on their mind, uh, and as he told the team, we're not going to let that happen. He also said to the team, and I found this really interesting, Colorado doesn't need to play a perfect game this year against Arizona. And, you know, to his point, Arizona's, you know, their first place in the Pac-12, they're 22-5. and five. And somehow they're still not the elite Arizona team we remember them. You know, yeah, they've only lost five games this year, but they. It seems like Colorado matches up pretty well with them, and it seems they have a solid shot to beat them, even if they don't play a great game. I mean, they could play a good game and beat Arizona, especially on their home floor. It's all going to come down to defense for them. Uh, I always trust the offense to do enough at home. The problem is the defense, and there are so many guys that can hurt you on that team. You named them off at the top of the segment. Uh, 
Tarzuski, you've got Trier, you've got um, York Anderson. You've got York, you've got Anderson. I mean, Gabe York. Kadeem <laughs> Allen can even hurt you. <clears throat> right. I mean, there's they're top to bottom, really. Um, they have talent everywhere. Uh, and so there's so many guys that you have to keep an eye on. I mean, all of a sudden, you can Gabe York can have a Steph Curry game on you if you let him do it. I mean, he can hit from anywhere on the floor. So it's all going to come down to defense to me. Um, <clears throat> you, you like your chances with Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon down inside. I think the Buffs have to find someone and maybe just hope that Trier or, or whoever it is that has an off game so you can kind of have a little bit of uh, room for error on the defensive end. Because I don't think they have to play a perfect game, but they have to play one of their best defensive games. For me, I think they have to shoot pretty well from the field. And because you have Ristich and York who both shoot really well from beyond the three-point line, I think the Buffs need, you know, George King to have a good game against Zona. And I think they also need either Trayshawn Fletcher, Josh Fortune, or even Dominique Collier to step up. And uh, I've been saying this all year. When the Buffs get Josh Scott and Wes Gordon or George King and then a third guy going, they are absolutely unbeatable. And when that's happened, they haven't lost. Yeah, I mean, like I said, though, I just I just trust the offense. I think, you know, um, they're going to knock down their open looks from three. They normally do at home. Um, Josh Scott is going to get, you know, whatever it is, his quiet 16, whatever it may be. I think Wesley Gordon has a chance to make an impact, um, especially if they're going to put Tarzuski one-on-one with Josh Scott. So, to me, it's just it just comes down to not turning over the ball, which, goodness gracious, we know that's going to be hard. Uh, and... It comes down to playing defense. And if they can just do those two very, very simple things, uh, I think they have a great chance to win this game. The question is whether or not they can do those things. I mean, Tad Boyle talked about it today. That Even though they really they only had 11 um, the other night, it was really 13 because he talked about, you know, uh, losing the ball and then it turns into a jump ball. It doesn't go down as a turnover. But you lost the ball and it was your fault. It should go down as a turnover. And you've got uh, – You've got the fact that those thir- a good percentage of those 13 turnovers were so, so, so possibly avoidable. It's just like making a dumb pass, um, telegraphing. They do the, the pass to a big man when he gets it at the top of the key, which some people would argue that they don't, there's no point in giving Josh Scott a touch there. But it's like they telegraph that pass so obviously. They do it so often that they ju- it's so easy to jump. Um, just little turnovers like that are so dumb. And you really – I know – they don't have to play a perfect game, but you just can't afford to give up possessions like that for no good reason. And to your point about the turnovers, my brother, who's a casual CU fan, and I mean, he wa- he's probably watched almost every game this year, but he says to me, he's like, what do they practice? What do they do in practice? He's like, they haven't gotten any better in the turnovers. And you know what? Every week that we go back to practice, they work harder and harder on trying not to turn over the ball. And today we saw that they, you know, it was a real big point of emphasis. It wasn't something that was an underlying thing. It was something that they were really trying to work on. The, the thing that sucks, though, is that there's just no, there's no way to really uh, practice not turning the ball over when it comes to game situations. It comes down to you in your head thinking about the play before you make it and making sure you make the right play. And you don't have to be thinking, but it has to be you have to have the capability to know all right, he's cheating a little bit. I can't throw this pass right now because he's sitting on it. So it's it's not even as simple as just practicing it away. Um, it really comes down to more being smart and just knowing when to make a, a certain pass and when not to, um, knowing if you should pass or try and dribble through this double team, knowing when your name is Josh Fortune 
that you're not the world's greatest dribbler and you're not going to Allen Iverson a couple dudes and get to the hole um, and you just need to sit in the corner and shoot threes. It's about knowing things like that that keep you from turning the ball over and the Buffs have struggled to do it so much and, then, and it just doesn't really make sense. So if they turn the ball over um, more than 15 times, I don't see them winning this game. But I think they can not do that. This is something that's a talking point will transition us over to Arizona State as well, the attendance for this weekend. You have the Arizona game, which for a fact is not sold out right now. And it's sold out each of the last few years, almost as soon as tickets go on sale. You have the Arizona State game later this weekend. And uh, for me, I, I think a lot of the Arizona State game's attendance, which is at senior night or senior day, will rely upon how the Buffs perform against Arizona. Because if they do well against Arizona, I think a lot of people come back to see the final home game. If they have a stinker, I think people are just going to be so turned off at that point. Could be. It could be. I mean, people are really sick of getting blown out by Arizona. Uh, and you can't really blame them for that. So I think you do uh, need – I mean, it's not going to be terrible attendance on Sunday regardless. It's senior day. Uh, it's a nice little Sunday matinee, I believe. It's, it's all set up. It's, it's all set up to be, I mean, it'll probably be regardless like the other games this season. But I think if they win against Arizona, there's a good chance people say, all right, we really need to go catch this team on our last chance to. Why not uh, go show up on Sunday? That game Sunday is at 2.30. The game Wednesday is at 7. And for Sunday, I mentioned it before, Arizona State, 11th in the pack, 12. But they do have some guys to look out for. Trey Holder is one of them. And... Uh, you know, you also have, uh, I can't pronounce his name, the Obeni Olika guy. Olika? Is that <laughs> a, I can't pronounce his name, but I know who he is. He's their big man. And then they got Blakes as well. A brand new coach, uh, one that's very experienced in the terms of college basketball. What kind of, and, and the Buffs haven't seen Arizona State yet. And this is something Tad Boyle talked about last week before they went to Los Angeles. Is It's so rare that this late in the season that they're not seeing teams. They're seeing teams for the first time. And that's happening twice this weekend. And for Arizona State, I think there's a lot more question marks for the Buffs than there is for Arizona just because it's a new coach. There's some new players over there. And I don't know, give us some insight on it. Yeah, I think uh, Arizona State, <clears throat> people kind of expected them to have a quick turnaround um, with, with Bobby Hurley. But I, I just don't think it's that simple. I think, you know, he runs a very specific type of thing. And... Really, the, the way I look at this is they, the Buffs shouldn't lose this. There's no excuse for the Buffs losing that game. Um, it's it's it, You're at home. You can't lose to Arizona State at home. So I think, you know, the more important thing is whether or not you can get this Arizona win because uh, we've been talking about it for two weeks now. We You know, it's almost like that Arizona State game is the one you could you could pencil in. And to me, that's that's the case. So you can pencil that one in, and really the most important thing is getting one more. So... On Wednesday, you have a chance to get that one more even before you even play the, the one that we're penciling in. And I think that's the most important thing here. Uh, Arizona State is going to come in, and they're going to fight. They've always been tough in Boulder. Uh, I'm sure they'll talk about that before they're coming in, and their confidence will probably be pretty good. But to me, the Buffs really, there's no excuse for them losing that game. Here's the thing about that game. Josh Scott's final game at the Coors Event Center. Xavier Talton's final game, Brett Brady, Eli Stalzer as well. And senior night, this is a class, also Wes Gordon recruited in this class, but he'll obviously be here next year. And Xavier Johnson. Right, sorry. But you got Josh Scott, and that's the headliner of senior night. 
man, what a heck of a basketball player. And, you know, we've been saying it on Twitter now, I think, for a few weeks, building up to it, but I think it's going to start to really hype up after Wednesday. you got to send Josh off right. Yeah, I mean, I, Josh Scott is, is such a, a great um, – What's the word I'm looking for? A great ambassador for the university. I mean, his court, his play on the court is undeniable. He he's one of the best big men in the country. Uh, he's one of the best big men in Colorado history. But Josh got off the court. I think is where his, his true greatness lies. I mean, there's not a nicer guy on campus than Josh Scott. There's not you know he's always fun to talk to. He's always smiling. He's always having a good time. Uh, he loves the University of Colorado. He loves the state of Colorado. Um, and he's really the poster child for, you know, the return of Colorado basketball um, from a high school standpoint. And the fact that he came to Boulder um, and became a buff and has had this great career is just so great for Tad Boyle and the university when they're trying to recruit. Um, And they're trying to, you know, bring in a guy who is an in-state talent, similar to Dallas Walton, obviously not nearly as highly recruited, but there's another guy in Deshaun Schwartz who they're looking at um, in that in the next class, and so I think Josh Scott's legacy uh, at Colorado is more than just Josh Scott as a player on the court, which we know is so great. It's that it's it's the the hometown kids staying in, staying and becoming a buff. Uh, it's really just being an all around first class citizen. I think you said it, and for me. Uh you know, my high school team played Josh when I was in high school, my sophomore year, and I was an equipment manager on that team. Uh, don't laugh, Buffs community. Uh, but my point is, no, it was my junior year, sorry. And we had a big man, our center was 6'2 that year, and he was matching up against Josh Scott. And, you know, for a week we were looking forward to this matchup. We, everyone knew who Josh Scott was. Everyone knew who his brother was, who was a really good high school player as well. And, you know, we were... The entire game plan was how the hell do we get Josh Scott to fall out? So we put two guys on him in the first half, and we just started putting elbows and bodies on him, whatever. And he ended up with three fouls in the first half. Had like four points. Going to halftime, oh, this is great. You know, we're, we got the best player in the state. He's in foul trouble. We're up five on them. Lewis Palmer, we're playing here in Sataris High School, we're right across the street from Boulder High. You know, we got a hometown floor a little bit. Come back for the second half, I think Josh scored 25. <laughs> and uh, from that moment, I knew he was the real deal. And I remember that high school state championship game against Wes Gordon. Oh, what a spectacular game that was. And, you know, Josh, because, you know, I'm one year younger or whatever. Yeah, one year younger. I've been around him for so long, just kind of following his career and what he means to Colorado athletics from a prep standpoint, from a collegiate standpoint to this point. He is right there with Chauncey Billups in terms of names that will go down as the greatest Colorado, you know, Colorado basketball players of all time that were born and bred in this state. And I don't think there's a question about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's a little short of Chauncey's legacy, but he will definitely be in that conversation. Uh, and I really just can't re- reiterate, I'll, I'll miss having him around from a media standpoint, always handles the media with class. Um, <clears throat> and just from, you know, seeing him around Boulder from that standpoint, because uh, he's, he's just a good dude to Hashtag see around. Josh loves Boulder. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, to, to have a little fun on this podcast, and we're going to have a little fun, uh, not at the expense of Josh Scott and Xavier Talton, but a little fun with them. We, uh, lo- I looked up their bios, and I'm going to read some of their weird things that are in here, and Ryan's going to guess which player is which. All right. Son of John Talton Jr. 
Which player is the son of John Talton Jr.? Uh, Xavier Talton. Ah, uh, you are correct. One for one, buddy. Okay, here, here it gets a little bit tougher. Use your words. I'm reading. I'm trying to read. Then responses. Anyways. This player selected CU because of the coaching staff and the uprising of the basketball program. <laughs> Could be literally any player ever. Uh, I'm going to go with Xavier Tall. Oh, no. It's Josh. Oh, man. Um, this player is ambidextrous. Josh. Okay, that was easy. Um, selected CU because it felt like the right place you for me. You already did the other home. one, so it's obviously XT. I'm telling you, these are very similar. Says the state winning the state championship was the biggest moment of his prep career. Could be either. XT. Josh said that quote, but Xavier Talton said, Winning the state championship his junior year was the biggest <laughs> moment of his prep career. It's honestly the same word for word, except it says junior year for Xavier Talton. Wow. Um, school record holder in points, assists, steals, and XT. rebounds. Both. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, college majors, business management. Did you say assists? Josh Scott's the all-time leader of, in assists? I believe so, unless this is incorrect. Wow, that's kind of impressive. What was the last one? College major is business management. Hmm. I'm going to say XT. Yes, and Josh's is soci sociology. Okay. Okay, so you were like, you got more than half, right? And, uh, I mean, Josh's, <laughs> Josh's bio page on cubuffs.com is like three times as long as anyone else's. Really? Yeah, because of all the awards and national attention he's gotten. That's pretty cool. Uh, but Josh scored a state leading seven, 799 points as a senior during the 2011-2012 season, which is ridiculous. Finished prep scoring third most points in state history. Does it say who he's behind? Um, it does not. That's a bummer. It does. Just reading through some of this stuff. I mean, this is a cool stuff to check out if you're uh, if you're browsing the internet. And uh, you know, Xavier Talton also similar in this class. So just both really good high school athletes at Colorado. Pride of the Plains is Xavier Talton, as our friend Patrick would like and, to say. And I should know another really good dude off the court. Yeah, both have been extremely nice to both of us. But you know, we'll see them this weekend at the Course Event Center, as we'll probably see you unless we see you at Blake Street. Blake Street Tavern before then. Anyways, thank you for joining us on the BSN Buffs Podcast, part of the BSN Denver Podcast Network, a branch of bsnbuffs.com. I am Jake Shapiro. You can follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. He is Ryan Koningsberg. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Koningsberg. For all of your bird tweets, for all of your bog tweets. tweets, for all of the Broncos stuff, all of the buff stuff as well. For me, Buffs, Rockies, you hockey, I guess, now? No. No? Like one tweet about it? Go CC. You're a CC <laughs> fan. You're, you're the worst. You're just like a hipster for no reason. I just decided since everyone, every casual Colorado sports fan just bandwagons DU hockey. I'm just going to bandwagon CC, and when they are good one year, it's going to be lit. Name one CC athlete, coach, alumni of all time. I can't do that with DU either. You, yeah, you can. No, I can't. Really? 
Rodney Billups. Oh, well, I guess that, yeah, I could have done that. I wasn't really thinking basketball. You could do it in, um, for any of the sports. You can do that with DU for several sports, several players. No, I can't. Rodney would probably be the only one I could oh. get. Keith Magnuson, Hockey Hall of Famer, would be a good one for DU. Never heard of him. Yeah. Heard of Magnus Arena, though. Is that tied to him? That's, that, no. Oh. It's not the same name. <coughs> oh. It's another player in DU history. Uh, anyways. Whatever, man. Go Tigers. That's their name. Yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for joining us on the BSN Buffs podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BSN Buffs. Make sure to shoot us a like on Facebook. The Facebook <laughs> likes are through the roof lately. And uh, we'll see you next week, next Tuesday.